Good afternoon and welcome to Startup Nation, our weekly podcast that celebrates innovation and entrepreneurship. Startup Nation is brought to you by Dublin Business Innovation Centre, where ambitious founders get support to start and scale new businesses. At Dublin BIC, we work with startups to get them investor ready and also assist raise funding needed to grow their business. I'm Connor Carmody, and I hope you'll stay with me over the next hour as we explore emerging trends in the world of technology and business. On today's special episode, we're going to talk about the Innovation Exchange, which launched last week. So what is the Innovation Exchange? Accelerating forces, market changes are putting more established companies under pressure to innovate, uh, to gain competitive advantage. And rather than just look at an internal response to this change, many companies see the value in boosting their innovation by collaborating with startups and scale-ups. And these partnerships give these large corporates access to startup creativity, new ways of working, and access also, I suppose, to new and emerging technologies. And in return, the scale-ups gain access to new markets, to customers, and to industry expertise. And for many of the SMEs that we're working with, a collaboration with a multinational or a large corporate can be a make-or-break moment, having significant benefits in terms of revenue and customer growth. So what the Innovation Exchange is designed to do is to put both those parties together, SMEs on the one side, large organisations on the other side, and they develop, I suppose, a full understanding of the innovation process from the very early ideation, right through to a purchase order. We facilitate a structured and managed process to connect those innovators with the innovation seekers, nurturing a collaboration, and hopefully that creates opportunities for business development and commercial success for both parties. As I mentioned, the Innovation Exchange launched last week, and today we're going to chat to two of the participants to get an understanding of how it all works. But first, to start us off, I'm delighted to be joined by Paul Healy, CEO of SkillNet Ireland, who are the backers of this exciting new initiative. Paul, you're very welcome. Thank you, Connor. It's great to be with you. And thanks for uh, for joining us today. Maybe just for our listeners, a little bit about you. Uh, how did you find your way into SkillNet? I have the privilege to be the Chief Executive of SkillNet Ireland, coming up now in my sixth year. You know, the early, early stages of my career, Connor, began in sales leadership and sales sales management. And I suppose that's really where I suppose I, I cut my teeth commercially, um, you know, where I learned how to manage, uh, how to, where I learned how to do a strategic plan and all of those things. And I was fortunate enough to get that kind of break in my early 20s and my mid-20s. And, and then from there, I ran a Bank of Ireland business for a number of years um, and I had that business to grow and yet again, further learning. And then I made, I suppose, what we might regard as significant enough career shift then into the whole field of human resources. Okay. And that was about 15 years ago and I was the uh, spent uh, 10 years as the senior manager of Irish Life's group, group HR. Okay. Before then, I, um, I moved on to, on to this role. So I suppose... It was it's a career that has spanned both the public and and the private sectors. You know that blend of kind of you know commercial roles, but also uh, HR leadership roles, and now as chief executive of a, of a state agency. So you have a lovely blend of that, as you say, the commercial and the people, uh, and bringing that all to bear. Talk to us about SkillNet Ireland. Um, so an intriguing organisation, and I suppose what would be interesting is kind of what are you trying to achieve? What are the big strategic objectives for the organisation? Sure. So just a, t- a tiny bit of pocket history of it first kind of might, might, might be helpful. So we were actually established 23 years ago at this stage, uh, started all the way back in 1999. And um, it was a decision made by government at the time, you know, with a strong voice from employers behind it to say much more needs to be done to boost 
the skills of those in employment and then by extension boosting the competitiveness uh, and the innovation of, of, of the private sector. And a, a, an important decision was made at that time in terms of how Skillet Ireland would operate. And it was determined that it should be enterprise-led uh, and it should be distinct in many ways from the public education system, if you like, or the higher education system, in that it would be demand-driven. It'd be driven by the needs of employers in the first instance, by the needs of companies, and fulfilling a, a, you know, a real market need, as opposed to supplying programs and so on for, for, for employers to take. And that goes to, our, goes to our very, very core, very, very roots. We pride ourselves on the fact that this is an enterprise-led and enterprise-driven organization everything that we do begins and ends with what companies need and companies tell us they inform they inform the whole skill net operation the programs that are delivered in the courses and things like the innovation exchange are entirely driven by the needs of companies and that makes the work that we do responsive and um, we've a lot of agility we can we can pivot very quickly to the kind of big priority areas that that the both government and the business sector want to focus on and it, it gives us a very strong industry identity but at the same time we have deep groups of course in the in the public system we are a government agency at the end of the day so i suppose at its core we're we're a public private partnership and we operate on that basis and our funding model is based on on, on the same principle very good um <clears throat> So one of the big pillars when we look at EU or government policy is, is this notion of digital transformation. And you've been uh, very vocal and, and driving that agenda. Where do Skillnet fit into that picture as you look at, at digital transformation and its potential impact on, on the future of Ireland? Uh, where, where do you fit in with that? Yeah, so we, we, we've looked at digital for a long time and played what we feel is a pretty key role in terms of the digital agenda in Ireland. It's one of our, our top four priorities as we move forward. Along with digital, obviously, we have uh, talent and skills for the sustainable economy. Uh, we also play a very important role in supplying skills and applying to, uh, talent to the FDI sector in this country. And the last area of focus then, of course, is like the innovation exchange, where we're helping small business owners to innovate and thrive and grow their business. But just returning to the digital agenda, Connor, um, we, we, we kind of move around that in, in two areas. The first is the co-creation of new digital programs and technology in emerging areas. And when we say co-creation, that is Skillnet Networks working with the higher education system and working with universities. And that's an important function that we play in, in the ecosystem, for want of a better term, where we're bringing companies to the table, many of them tech companies, large corporations, household name tech companies that are saying, here are the following emerging trends, emerging technologies that we need to provide upskilling for, we need accredited education for, postgraduate and so on. And then we link them up with the university system. And out of that, some wonderful uh, projects have emerged. Ireland's first postgraduate in artificial intelligence came through that route. Uh, Ireland's first postgraduate in blockchain. Wow. And we're leading on uh, areas of data science, Internet of Things, and several others. So, um, so you know, emerge, you know, future skills programs in emerging technologies. That's one aspect of digital for us. The ne next aspect is very much less about emerging technologies and more about this concept of digitalization. Uh, and we have a strong focus with medium and small size firms and multiple programs underway in the digitalization of small firms. 
and the output of which, of course, is digital skills and upskilling, but we look at it from the, from the point of view of digitalization in the first instance. So a company is, is here, it wants to get to this, this given point later on in its strategic sort of ambition, and what are the dig digital implications of that journey? How does it digitalize the company? And that could be from the basics of an online presence right through to complex automation of the manufacturing process. And we're providing the upskilling, the training, the leadership development, the strategy development, and so on, to small business owners and, and their teams throughout that process. Invaluable. Uh, we should have mentioned you have over, as well as the national programs that we're going to talk about, of which the innovation is one, you have over 70 skill nets around the country. I mean, you have a broad national reach dipping into every part of the country. Yeah, we're, we're, we're very fortunate, Connor. We very we have a very strong partnership base, uh, great partners like uh, Dublin Big being one of them. Uh, many of our partners have been with us for 10 years, some up to 20 years. So these are established relationships um, which has a really broad reach, both sectorally, as in industry sectors, but also into the regions. And well, one thing that we, we we do pride ourselves on, and it's important that we're capable of doing this, is that we can reach the smallest of firms through those networks that we have, micro firms of 10 or less employees, for example. So, so that, that type of reach that our partners actually lend to us, where, if you like, we, 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 we leverage off the type of networks, company relationships, member companies, and so on that our partners have, but it opens the door and gives us this wonderful access so we can support these businesses. Fantastic. Let's talk about the Innovation Exchange. And in my intro, I was saying it's about linking large corporates uh, with smaller scale-up SMEs who are looking to do business together. As you looked at the market, what gap did you see that that made you think, yeah, this is something we should really get behind. Yes, from the from the very get go, Connor, we saw the potential in this. And if you take the lens out and you look at uh, Ireland, you look at how uh, our enterprise is formed and how it's established, and everybody knows this. We've been extraordinarily successful in winning foreign investment. We have an outstanding track record in attracting large corporations, multinationals to this country, not just attracting them, but they thrive when they're with us. And uh, we really have unlocked the secret of doing that. Uh, and it's probably one of our greatest national strengths that we, that we offer. But the question was always begged, and it's an obvious question to say, OK, we have this strong presence, the love coming to us. We're able to support them in a very pro-enterprise framework you know, we produce a lot of graduates, really good talent, organizations like Skinnet Ireland supporting the FDI sector. But how can that be extended? How can we find ways? How can we find routes to encourage our own small firms, our homegrown SMEs, our indigenous sector to engage with the multinational sector, to help the multinational sector in terms of its own priorities, be that digital, be that innovation, be that sustainability, whatever it may be but in a way that boosts both, that raises all the ships. And that's what really attracted it to us. And it's a theme and a policy objective of government that's been around for a long time, you know, and it's been tried in various different ways, some successfully, maybe some not as successfully. But we feel we have created with Dublin Big a platform, a scalable platform, to allow the exchange and the interchange between the large corporations and the SMEs for mutual benefit. And, and I think that 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 is really the sweet spot that, you know, we've been trying to address as a country for a long time. And I think we, 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 we have the opening of a door now to the Innovation Exchange to make this happen. Yeah, because 
it's not like, I mean, both parties want this to happen. So SMEs do want to sell to corporates and large, and the large companies do want to buy. They just haven't figured out the common language to allow that to happen. And it's interesting that you talk about a platform and a scalable platform, because that's really what we're trying to build here is this notion, not just kind of a short-term fix. This is actually a longer-term growth platform for Ireland, I would have thought. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's interesting, Connor. sometimes it's, it's a small shift and a, a, a small shift or change in context that can lead to wonderful things. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell wrote a book called Outliers, and many yeah. will be familiar with it. But basically that room, that that book really talked about when you create room, when you create space, when you create the context, really great things can happen. And, you know, uh, potential can be unleashed. You know, um, and he used m- multiple d- different examples. The most common one we hear cited is is, is the Beatles. You know that the, the Beatles' success didn't just happen overnight. They put in thousands and thousands of hours. You know, in, in uh, Hamburg, in the basement, in Hamburg, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the context had been laid in for that success. You know, for years and years beforehand. And I think when we look, I think in particularly if we look at the pilot of the Innovation Exchange, you know that that showed us that demonstrated. Uh, comprehensively, that if you create the context, if you find a way to knit together small firms or corporations, if you get the dialogue going, if you get them ideating together, if you get them at the basics talking to each other, that wonderful things can happen. So a small shift in context can lead to huge things, particularly when you're dealing with ambitious and innovative small firms. Yeah, brilliant. Really, really good. Um. So you ran a pilot, we ran a pilot with you in uh, last year, quite successful. Um, as you look forward to this year, to 2022, what's your kind of hopes for the exchange or your expectations? Um, I suppose the, 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 I suppose the uh, expectations and the hopes are hopefully the same thing. <laughs> um, let me see. I think we, we have an opportunity, I think, to get this right. Um I think how we bring particularly the large corporations uh, to the table, and, and not to say that the ones that are at the table aren't aren't engaged and and fully engaged, and of course they are. But how do we bring more corporations to the table? How do we get large multinationals to say, "I'm going to take a leap of faith with this. I can see how the indigenous sector in Ireland and the small firms are ambitious. They can solve some of my own problems." They can solve some of the opportunities that we have as a multinational have, and we can create really, really strong links and bonds to the indigenous small firm sector in this country. And if we can convince enough multinationals to do that, and I believe we can, and large corporations to do that, uh, I think that that that's a, a very significant part of, of the win. Okay. And I think you, I think you you'll have found this too, Connor. Our our, our experiences, the, the 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 small firms, our small firms are up for it. They're they're less of a, cha- of a of a challenge to bring to the table because many of them are hungry and really want to be there. So so that that's how how I would see it. Hopefully, we will see twenty twenty two as the year that we bring through a lot a lot more large corporations and multinationals. And then the long term ambition is, you know, um, and not to overstate this, but we I think we should have ambitions and we should have loft, lofty ambitions. Potentially the innovation exchange is the is the is the program or the initiative that ultimately binds the multinational sector, the large corporations and the indigenous sector together in this country. Now, what, what better ambition could you have than to solve that, not just solve that problem, but to solve that opportunity? Fantastic. It's um 
it's wonderful when you when you talk about that ambition and, and set it in the context piece that you talked about earlier. Um, Paul, thank you so much for joining us today and for, for talking to us about Boat Skillnet Ireland and for the Innovation Exchange and uh, look forward to working with you over the year ahead. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks indeed. And that was Paul Healy, who's the CEO of Skillnet Ireland. So that's the rationale for the Innovation Exchange. And I, I, what I'd like to figure out is how does it work in practice? And so to hear the perspective from the corporate, I'm delighted to welcome Noel Crawford of IBM to chat with us. Noel, you're very welcome and thanks for joining us today. Uh, thanks, Connor. Thanks for having me. Maybe we're all about kind of digital transformation, but before we get into that, tell us a little bit about you, Noel. What do you do at IBM? So at the moment, I have responsibility for our cloud sales on the island of Ireland, uh, but that includes the business development aspects of it, includes the partnering aspects. So I manage all of our partners that work with IBM Cloud in the market as well. Previous to that, I had um, between 2009 and 2015, I had actually run the IBM startup uh, operation in Ireland. I, I founded it and run it and, and expanded it throughout Europe as well. Very good. So you're you're familiar with with startups. You're familiar with kind of the scale up side of the business. You have a deep understanding. Can I ask you about? So we hear a lot about innovation and digital transformation. I'd love your take on that. What's the what's the real inside deal on that? What does it mean in practice for a business? Yeah, and and I, I, that's a really good question, Connor. And I think if you look at IBM's strategy, where you know it really is at, at its heart about digital transformation. We, we call ourselves. The, the hybrid uh, and AI, hybrid cloud and AI company. Um, and, and if you look at our strategy, and I will share our strategy slides with you at a later date, um, you'll see that it's about pull, pulling together all of the disparate strands uh, that an organization uses to deliver its services. So, it, you know, when I say strands, I mean in the IT world, whether they be on applications running on premise, applications running in the cloud. Um, you know, aged applications that need modernization. It's about pulling all that together and managing it all through a single pane of glass. So to a small business or an SME who's thinking of of kind of, well, what does this digital transformation mean? In layman's terms, if I were running a small business, why should I care about digital transformation? What's going to happen to my business if I do or if I don't? Yeah, so I, I think, uh, yeah, you, you, could, you could ignore the, the whole process of digital transformation that's going on at the moment, but it makes, I think it, bring, it brings a level of irrelevance then to what you're doing, because at some stage, if, if your customers are interested in, the, in your offering, they'll be interested in knowing, does it fit with their strategy of digital transformation within their organization? So what I'd say to people, what I'd say to early stage companies as they're developing their products, ensure that they develop them in a way that's consumable during a process of digital transformation in their target companies. So ensure that their applications are are, are, are containerized. Uh, be sure that they can run in modern container-based environments or in serverless environments. And that's one of the strongest pieces of advice I could give people. Um, don't go for a traditional form of development. Explain that to me, if you wouldn't mind, a containerless environment uh, to a non-techie uh, who runs a small yeah. business. What does that mean to me? So when I say a, 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 con, a containered environment, um, what I mean there is that, uh, you know, not installable uh, on a traditional uh, virtualized uh, server, let's say, but enabled, modernized, and enabled to run using microservices, 
Um, so microservices are breaking down your applications for their smallest parts and being able to update and upgrade each one individually apart from the rest without impacting the overall operation of the application. And that, that system runs in what's called a containerized environment or, or indeed a serverless environment is another way of describing the, the ultimate expression of that. So for the small business, it's about chopping up that kind of elephant into small little pieces. Don't try to figure, figure it all out at once. You're not going to be hosting all of this tech yourself. You're going to find an IBM or somebody else like that. They'll host the tech for you and you get on and service your customers. Exactly, exactly. When we work with people, when we work with startups, we advise them in that direction. I mean, the big advantages of this, of course, if you have microservices and containers, you can take down a small part of your application and maintain it, upgrade it without touching the overall application of your container of your application and without impacting your client's experience of your software. Okay, very good. Startups and scale ups and IBM don't seem like a natural fit to me. Now, maybe I'm wrong on that, but educate me on why would you and IBM be interested in talking with these scale-up SMEs who are now starting to change how they, they sell? Yeah, so look, I think, I think we may have been accused um, in, in the last decade uh, of being slow, slow to the market around uh, you know, the new technologies that are needed for digital transformation. You know Whether there's justification in that or not, I don't know. We do, do have a huge install base of customers that we need to you know, manage on a day-to-day basis through services, through software, through hardware, through cloud. So, you know, pivoting our company has taken us uh, some time, but I think you can see lately with our results, it's going in the right direction. But underneath all that, since about 2009, 2010, we have pivoted towards towards early-stage companies. And, and there's an absolute rationale around that, the absolute rationale being if we work with early-stage companies uh, in the way they want us to work with them um, when they're small, uh, we get to partner with them as they grow larger and take us into new markets. So, uh, and, and, you know, by partnering with us, they use the technologies that can get into those markets. So where are we now? Uh, you know, we, we now probably have one of the strongest uh, sets of cloud offerings in the marketplace, some through acquisition, some through development. That's been integrated into a really strong global uh, cloud cloud offering. Um, I, I, I think uh, that, if I was talking to you 10 years ago, I'd say, yes, we have stuff that's great for startups. Talking to you now uh, in a different role, I would say we absolutely have the right offerings. Um, we have the right people to advise. Uh, we have people who are very interested in ensuring the success of startups because it's mutually assured success. So um, are we a natural fit for startups? We absolutely are. We've been on a 10-year a, you know, learning journey around that. Uh, and we have a hundred years experience before that. Um, so I think it's the right time to work with IBM. Certainly for us, it's the right time to work with startups. Right. And we're very, very interested in doing that. Excellent. Let's talk about the innovation exchange. So you got involved uh, with us uh, last year as we were running the pilot. What prompted you to get involved and, and kind of what's your observations thus far? So I've known I've known Debig from my previous roles, um, and uh, I've known John Field, and I've known some of the folks in there. Um, have maintained contact because I've always admired what Debig does. It's been very successful. Um, so you know, we were speaking to John on an ongoing basis. We always do about what's going on, and and then the idea of the innovation exchange came up. Um, we we kind of talked about that for a while. We wanted to see what was involved. We we wanted to you know get the whole thrust behind it. Uh, and when John was telling us about Science Foundation Ireland and um, the, the you know the skilling up initiative, um, 
that really kind of pushed our buttons okay. and uh, we really wanted to get involved and we did. And we and how have you found it? What's what's worked for you? Yeah, it's been absolutely fantastic. Um, we've been through the pilot phase um, and, you know, we got introduced to a range of organizations um, who are both in early stage, but some 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 much much older than that. Um, you know, we, we've met them. Then we've we've narrowed down uh, with John and with the team and there with Claire around the best ones to work with IBM. And then we've taken things forward with a couple of those, and we're actually uh, you know entering into arrangements with at least a couple of them. So it's been uh, it's been a really really good journey for us. Um, you know, our, our our view is if if we if we go through the process time after time after time and meet one organization or two organizations that are on the same page as us, then we've been really successful. And so we've been successful so far, and we want to continue. Super. And what are you looking for in terms of the types of companies or the technologies? Because you are a technology company, yeah. so presumably you're not looking for new technology. Maybe you are. What's what are you looking for as you look at these scale up companies that we bring to you? What's what what is it that you say? Yeah, I like these guys. Yeah. So what we're always looking for is uh, is an organization that's developing something that solves a problem in the world, right? Because that's what we're about. So uh, if we can match our technology and our solutions up with, with people who are resolving specific problems, then we get really excited. I mean, we look at the at, at, at the world, the, the business world and the business markets that we live in, we look at them in vertical format. So we look at financial services, we look at insurance, we look at health, we look at retail and so on. And if we can meet organizations that are solving an outstanding problem there that gives us a lot of interest it gives us credibility that it's our technology that's with that company um, and it gives the company credibility that it has the, the the kind of the power of ibm technology embedded in its solution it's all about embedding you know we won't don't want to take over the story from that company we want that company to embed our solution and wrap it in their own wrapper it's their it's their product it's their application it's their solution we want to help them by embedding our technology in there to make their solution run better and to help it scale in the industry within which they're working. And that's really important because there are specifics to each industry. Okay, great. Um, And on the other side then, so it's quite clear what you're looking for. It's those game-changing technologies. It's those companies who are open to working with you, who can maybe take some of your technology embedded into theirs. For the scale-up or the SME that wants to work with you, what what can they expect from you? Yep. So uh, that, that, that's a, another great question uh, because this has to work both ways, yeah. Connor, right? And uh, um, so, look, it's it, it's it's a rare enough occasion um, that you know there's, there's two ways that that you know that that going in the other direction works. One is the the obvious one around acquisition, right? But acquisition is a, is a rare enough thing uh, for anybody. Um, we do acquire companies. Um, I, we had one major acquisition here in the last five to eight years in Ireland. Um, that's been embedded into our into our Watson Health offering. Um, so, and that Watson Health offering has actually now kind of moved on from IBM, as you probably read in the in yeah. the papers. So, uh, so acquisition, yeah, you could think about it that way, but but it's not the most important one. I think the most important one um, for people to think of in the vertical strands that we talked about is the ability to have your software live within an IBM industry vertical. Um, be sold as part of IBM solutions potentially in the future, uh, not just in Ireland, but anywhere in the world, if it fits in. And, and the, the most particular one there at the moment, the most advanced one of those is is our financial services cloud, where we're in discussion with, with at least two or three uh, Irish ISVs, independent software vendors uh, around that. Whether it happens or not is another thing, but it gives them a, a massive channel into a global market if that happens. Uh, as long, of course, as it's a two-way street, 
and it's based on our technology. Um, it, it comes in and uh, and it is compliant what we want with what we want uh, of a piece of software that's going to sit on our stack. Um, so that's a possibility also. And I think that's the more exciting one. I and mean, then we do have other digital marketplaces like the Red Hat marketplace and uh, we have our own marketplace in IBM Cloud as well. Uh, so there's different strands of where a third party's application could sit for sale to clients on our cloud. And I think that's the, the most interesting one for most startups. Okay, so big opportunities, both from working with you from a technology, working with you from a channel, um, and maybe into the future, something else might happen. Fantastic. Noel, how many companies, so we we heard from Paul Healy earlier on in the podcast, uh, he talked about ambition and this becoming a significant national uh, program. Um, and he would argue that scale is really important to us building a platform for scale. How many companies do you think you could work with over the next while? Like, what's your capacity in terms of onboarding companies, taking them on, working with them in detail, guiding them, opening up the channel? Yeah, so there's low touch and high touch here, Connor, right? So, so, so low touch is in the initial stages of engagement with us. We would give, um, you know, we would we would seed with uh, with some of our technology, um, and that's in the form of credits in our cloud. So we will we will give credits to startup companies as long as they fulfill certain criteria. Uh, you know, when they were founded, uh, the technology they're using, that sort of stuff. We will actually give um, a, a program of either um, 12,000 a year um, or 120,000 a year in credits against our cl- cloud to help them grow. We'll also give them advice. Um, and then there's a, there's probably a higher touch program where somebody is actually beyond the, the, uh, the age of a company that will partake in our startup offerings, but we will still work with them, giving them advice, uh, assist them to migrate to our cloud, um, and, um, uh, you know, work with them on an ongoing basis on opportunities. We will actually sit at the table with them if they're using our technology and explain to their customers how our technology, you know, assists that startup or, the, or that or that independent software vendor. So, yeah, as regards to the numbers of people we can deal with, I wouldn't like to put a number yeah, on yeah, it. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, we, we cast a big net and uh, we're a decent-sized team. We have a lot of skills. Um, so I think if companies are genuinely interested in working with IBM technology, they'll get genuine interest back. I think if it's just, oh, I'll have a look, that's, yeah, that's kind of the, the response that I have to us will be the same. Absolutely. Yeah. Understood. Last question, Noel, and thanks for your time with us today. Um, advice for a company. So we'll be going through as part of this, we'll be going through a pitching process. You'll explain how you work. SMEs or scale-ups will pitch back to you. What should they be doing as they're pitching back to you to get your interest? Yeah, I think number one, they're solving a problem in the real world. That's number one. Uh, number two, that they have some experience of talking to customers in their area and they can validate what they're doing. Uh, and number three, that they have a real interest in working with IBM technology uh, to solve problems within their own application and, and within their go-to-market. So if you can think of those kind of three things, um, I think if people can clearly enunciate, um, you know, where they sit within all those, then they'll get a lot of interest from us. And it's an easy story then. If it just doesn't fit, they'll have expressed that clearly and we can say, look, it's not a fit. But if it does fit, then they'll get a lot of interest. Superb. Really, really clear and great advice that we will will be picking up uh, as we move through this. Noel, uh, thank you so much for coming on with us today. Thank you for your support of the Innovation Exchange and we look forward to working with you during the year ahead. Thanks so much, Noel. Absolutely, Connor. Thank you to, to you and the team. It's been a great experience so far. Cheers. Very good. That was Noel Crawford of IBM. Okay, well, if you're good, we'll, uh, we'll I'll do an intro, I'll set it up, and then I'll, I'll say hello to you if that's okay. Mm-hmm. Thanks a million. 
and if we if we make a mess up at any stage, uh, Neve, we can just stop and you can say stop and we can re-record because this is not live. Okay. And, and Sean in the booth can chop it up and edit it. So if you think you've said something and you say, hey, stop, can I do that again? I'm okay with that too. Sure, sure. Cool. Okay. <clears throat> Are we good, Sean? And so for our last guest on this Innovation Exchange special, we're joined by Neve Kelly of Tigum, who is one of the SMEs that joined the programme and has secured a pilot with the corporate. So I'm really looking forward to hearing all about her experience. Hi, Neve. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Tell me first uh, a little bit about you uh, so we can get to know you, a bit about you and your background. Sure. Well, uh, first of all, I started out um, as a science graduate. So I have a master's in uh, wildlife biology and conservation. And then I moved into English language teaching. Um, where I have kind of spent the last 12 to 15 years and I've kind of merged science and English together as an educational designer, designing programs for uh, universities like Trinity College. Um, And then in the last few years now, developing kind of products and services for the English language market. Excellent. Excellent. And Tigum, what does, firstly, tell me, what does the name mean? And then what do you do? (laughs) <laughs> yes, so it is uh, supposed to be a play on I understand in the That's Irish well, language. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, like I said, I've been working in educational design and I've been working with minorities, uh, non-native English speakers, people with low literacy rates for, for many years and trying to help develop their skills. And what I've done now with TIGM is actually I'm trying to bring the awareness of how we use language and how that impacts people to corporates to the professional side of things um so you know we have developed now a communication analytics platform and that really answers two questions for organizations it allows them to ask how are we using language and secondly is how is that impacting on uh, people's behavior and that can be engagement that can be sales Um, how they're interacting with our brand. So we're trying to give that analysis piece to the organization so they can use language that people understand, they can build trust and, you know, ultimately engagement and something that drives their their own business performance. Wow. So I was looking at your website and I saw you have a couple of stats there that are quite staggering, but one is 54% low literacy rate in the USA, Mm -hmm. adults that have trouble with reading or writing. That's over Mm -hmm. half the population who who struggle to read and write. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of the time we don't, especially if English is your first language um, and you, you know, typically maybe people that are working in the organizations, creating the communications, you're selling services, maybe in, in science, nutrition, financial services, insurance, And we're writing in a way that we understand. So what I say is that we we kind of lead with an English ability bias, right? We we think that because we can understand something or because we can have a conversation with someone that they're going to understand content that's written. And that's very different. So the spoken word and the written word are are incredibly different anyway in the way we communicate. Um, And so we have, we often don't have an awareness that people have problems with reading with literacy um, maybe having dyslexia as well and so if you're using complex language to describe your product your service or what people are getting effectively you're creating a barrier there you're, you're, you're creating a barrier blocking somebody from accessing um, what you're doing which is blocking your opportunity as a business as well so so it's really that awareness piece that say okay what are we 
what language are we using and where our software we really pinpoint and focus in on the specific language that could cause the uh, potential barriers and then help the organization overcome that fantastic it's that thing about the old illusion of communication well i think i was communicating i told you everything you needed to know so i wonder why it didn't happen but actually i didn't speak in your language or i didn't speak in a way that you understood i spoke the way i understood exactly and so what we want to do is we want to um give an opportunity for them to create plain english and we 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 use um our data but then also ai recommendations on how to transform the the language how to transform the sentences to make it really more accessible so really the, the the main thing about this is accessibility. People are talking about diversity and inclusion and there's a lot of change change going on within organizations and the one element that I see not changing is how we communicate and we're not thinking of the people in especially if you're um communicating externally to an audience that you don't know their ability. Yeah. You don't know who has low literacy, you don't know um their first language. Um you know and so we're we're just kind of painting everybody with the same brush really and we can't do that and a very very simple way to you know make things more inclusive to make it more accessible is to speak in a way that is easier to understand for for a wider group of people fantastic it really sounds interesting because it's this notion of tailored messaging and one size does not fit all we know that um and being able to almost individually tailor a message to somebody such that they understand is is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you about the innovation exchange? Um, sure. Why did you get involved in the innovation? I mean, you're, you're building a really good business, you're funding, you've done some fundraising, you're on a, on a trajectory. What was it that you said, yeah, actually, I should have a look at this? Well, I think for anyone, when you're starting out, when you're at quite a small size, the opportunity to get in front of large organizations you should never pass up you know so i i as soon as i saw it, i instantly applied um i always think that look there's learning in everything yeah. and so even if you're even if this is probably not something that's going to open doors for you you you've, you've learned something from it i think the most interesting part about this program is how it's set up that you flipped the the tables that we listen you um hosted the the webinars with the representative from the from the corporate and and we have an opportunity to listen intently to the people within there and to hear their problems and you know that opportunity is actually you know amazing and no other organization that i've seen out there no other program is doing that at all yeah. so so what what you're what you're doing there is an amazing learning uh, opportunity um, and if it opens doors to people, then it's, you know, even even better. Yeah, it's great, isn't it, that you can rock up and hear a senior leader like a Brian Leahy of Glan B we'll talk about or a John Hurley of Ryanair and they'll say, these are the problems I'm trying to mm. solve. And you can just sit there and listen and say, wow, I think I can really get stuck in here. It's a, if we can scale it up, it's it's a fantastic um, it's a fantastic engagement program. I think we heard from from Paul this morning. Uh, he's the CEO of Skill in Ireland, and he was saying this is just an opportunity to really build a platform of engagement here between the corporates and the SMEs uh, like yourself. You are one of the companies, the people who has secured a pilot. Um, mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so that's really exciting. Um, and that is with Columbia. Wow. And obviously a very, very large organization, which at, at my size of uh, company is not one that I would have approached, you know, 
at all at this stage. Um, but when I heard, you know, Brian um, speaking and he talking about the problems and, and he just said, you know, one, one of the things is comp we, we communicate in a really complex way. And they're communicating things about nutrition, about scientific products. And he said that can be a barrier to, you know, our, our customers and, you know, light bulb. And I thought, well, that's exactly what we're doing. So um, I didn't have to go and knock on doors that I heard, you know, exactly what that was. So the process then was fantastic. So we, we do a one page proposal, which, again, is a really uh, important learning step to distill all of your um, solution into 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 one into one page and then the process is just you know two meetings and we start start the trial so what we're doing with Glambia then is we are looking at how they're communicating the uh, the benefits of of particular nutrition products to their audience and run an analysis on that as well so we're, we're we're trying to see you know what language works best for their audience and like you said a few minutes ago it's um the language is going to change. It's going to impact people differently depending on the purpose and depending on the audience. So we're trying to do analysis on their customer base, what works for them, uh, what works for them with the in terms of engagement and sales for Glambia, and then how can we communicate in a more accessible way to help them drive their business performance and, and, and reach a more broad and a wider audience. I think it's just amazing that a company you know, an early stage scale up such as yourself can get in front of Glanbia and can accurately pinpoint a key problem that they're trying to solve and then start to help them solve it. I think it's just a, for us, as we looked at that, as we were thinking about the pilot, it's just such a fantastic uh, achievement. What, so well done to you, Niamh. Uh, what have you learned across the last six months of the pilot around that kind of pitching and talking to corporates process? Mm. I think one of the main things is everything is going to be easier when the customer already has an awareness that they have that problem, right? Yeah. So we we all attend, you know, I attended quite a lot of the webinars, all of them, in fact, and there were some that I put in proposals for and, 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 and they weren't successful. And in a sense, sometimes we can be listening for what we want to hear, you know yeah. and say okay well my solution maybe if i turn it this way it will solve that problem but actually that wasn't really what they said or it wasn't really aligned and so that the activity or the process of truly listening of truly listening and hearing that that they have that awareness of something that's going to be an easier sell and that's something that you know now i'm with with, with new customers new clients it's that process of engaging in listening to what they are really saying and looking for customers that are already aware of the problem and already feeling feeling that pain and so that that makes the process of selling much easier it's such a superb insight and, and this piece that we don't do enough of you're in front of a customer and actually prompt them and then just be quiet and let them talk and talk about their issues and what they're trying to do and and all of that and, and our our tendency is to rock up and just keep on talking and, and overtake the meeting and I'll tell you all about my solution I'll tell you about this but actually they know the problem they're trying to solve and all you have to do is listen yeah exactly and I think that that's what you uh, achieved with this and that's the opportunity that you gave to, to all the organizations is is just to listen and but then you have to listen actively and you have to listen and you can't just 
try and put your solution maybe you know obviously we all want to try and uh, get get partnerships with all those corporates but if there's not an alignment there um it's not going to work but also maybe you know you didn't listen actively and there could have been something in there as well that you missed out on so so it's really that um that process of active listening fantastic advice um are you going to stay involved with us for for 2022 and uh, what are your expectations yeah absolutely um i have really loved it and we you know success with with glambia and not successful with you know some of the other corporates which is fine we we, we didn't have a solution or they weren't aware of a problem that, that we're solving but again the opportunity to listen to the the representatives within there is a massive learning curve um and yeah i'm really excited to see what other organizations maybe sign up with you what i can learn from them and hopefully um other partnerships and i, w- I will actually add one one thing that the partnerships haven't just been between the SMEs and the corporates. I've actually started a partnership with some of the other members of um, of the SMEs as well. Brilliant. So, so I've um, yeah, so I, I've connected with with another organisation now, and we're starting to collaborate as well. So, so there's peer to peer learning in that. There's peer to peer collaboration as well as the SMEs to the to the corporates. So, either way, for me, I think there's there's massive opportunity from for learning, for networking, developing partnerships uh, with your peers or with the corporates. So, uh, yeah, I hope to, to to learn a lot more. And stay, you'll stay involved with us for the year. Absolutely. So, brilliant. It's it's some lovely advice in there around the kind of the active listening, the the kind of picking your battles to win, the the unintended con- consequence that you mentioned there of, of there's now some lovely SME networking going on. Um, you're a fantastic advocate and ambassador for us. So I'm glad I brought you on this morning, Neve. Thanks so much. Um, and listen, thank you very much. We're out of time, but thank you for coming on and talking to us this morning and uh, the best of luck uh, for the year ahead. And that was Neve Kelly, who is the CEO and founder of Tigum. So that is the story of the Innovation Exchange. And I hope you enjoyed hearing from, from Skillnet, from the corporate, uh, Noel, and from Neve, the SME, in terms of what they're doing. Um, but also how the Innovation Exchange is connecting corporates, SMEs, and we're driving that uh, transformation agenda. We are open for applications, so do go to theinnovationexchange.ie and register your interest, and we'd love to have you on the programme. So that's it for now from this uh, special edition of Startup Nation. Good afternoon.